welcome thank you thank you thank you for joining me for another episode of the girl unlimited podcast the podcast dedicated to seeing you live fully love abundantly and be all you were created to be as always i appreciate you joining me week in week out and i enjoy showing up for you week in week out so let's keep growing this relationship let's keep this relationship momentum going remember to rate and review the podcast if you're listening on itunes and subscribe and follow if you're listening on stitcher or spotify or just simply share the podcast with friends and family particularly those you know need to hear what we share here so you guys know i'm a firm believer that we each have a purpose unique to us And if we're going to live fulfilled lives and become the best version of ourselves, we have to walk in that purpose. And it may not be perfect, but a good indication of of your purpose is your dreams and your deep-seated desires or passions. And speaking of dreams, you might recall that in episode 19 of the podcast, I shared on dreams and what to do if you feel like you have none. I said that we all have dreams, but may have forgotten or lost sight of them for several reasons, which I share in the podcast, of course. And then I shared that one of the ways to rediscover them was to follow the envy. If you haven't listened to that episode, I suggest definitely checking it out. Anyways, imagine my surprise when my guest in today's episode talked about jealousy or, in my words, envy being one of the ways she discovered her dream and passion for writing. Well, she certainly hit her sweet spot squarely because as of today, Dia Benson is an accomplished Amazon bestselling author with over 50 novels under her belt and is still going strong. From sweet contemporary romance, which is my favorite fiction genre, by the way, to gritty romantic thrillers, Dia is passionate about using fiction to convey powerful messages about redemption and God's love. I have such huge admiration for this woman because of how dedicated she is to her craft and the results are proof that she obviously is on the right path because she has been a full-time author since 2016. I'm sure you know that that is a much coveted position for a lot of authors. We talk about everything from her early attempts at writing whilst studying molecular biology in university to transitioning to full-time author with a young family in tow. We even talk about how she almost wrote her entire novel one-handed because her baby at the time didn't want to be put down. (laughs) If that is not dedication, I don't know what is. Now, I talk about dedication like it's some hard thing, but to Dio, it is the best thing because to her, writing is more play than work. Remember my guest, Catherine Longhi from episode 16? She called it plurking, one of my favorite words ever. (laughs) This has been one of my absolute favorite episodes and i know i say this all the time because i love all my episodes but honestly dia is truly an embodiment of what this podcast is all about she truly believes she is in the mix of her god-given purpose and is living that purpose day in day out this is a rare opportunity not just for aspiring authors but for anyone dreaming of designing their lives around their art It is an opportunity to glean from the experience of a successful publishing author who rarely grants interviews, by the way. (laughs) So we are truly, truly fortunate to have Dio on today. My name is T. Ari and you're listening to the Girl Unlimited podcast.
Hi, Diane. Welcome to the Girl Unlimited podcast. Hi, T. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for saying yes. Um, I was just telling you just before I pressed record that I, I came across you, came on my radar uh, around about 2010. Um, and I mean, I was fascinated because I'd never come across a black British Christian romance author <laughs> personally. I'm sure they are there, but I hadn't seen them. And I was used to, um, I mean, Francine Rivers and, you know, the American, white American female uh, authors. So you, I was fascinated. And I think I silently followed you. I read a couple of your books back then and silently followed you and was really rooting for you because, um, I mean, oh, you sadly you. <laughs> see, <laughs> you sadly see a lot of black owned creative ventures, especially, uh, mm. pet, pet out after a while for several reasons, I'm sure, but most of the time because it's not sustainable. And, um, you know, I, so from time to time, I'll check your work. And when I noticed you had gotten to like, I, I was, I, I was seeing how consistent you were. And then I was like, you got into 50 books and I was like wow you know mm -hmm. so last year when I, I started the podcast I was I don't know I'm putting a a, uh, a list of potential guests for the podcast you were probably one of the first people that came to my mind I'll be honest to say I was worried about reaching out to you because wow. I didn't know if you will say yes <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's amazing I honestly don't usually say yes because I'd rather write than speak but for some reason I said yes to yours so yeah. I kind of figured I kind of figured that you were a really private person and you yeah. know you were one of those you know authors that just prefers to write so that's what you know made me a bit <laughs> a bit worried <laughs> reaching out but I was like you know what if you don't ask you never know so I was like I'll send the email it was the new year I was like I'll send the email if she says no that's fine if she says yes all the better so welcome and thank you for saying yes again so oh, thank you Today, you are this talented, incredible, consistent um, Amazon bestselling author. But I understand that's not what you always wanted to do. So what did you want to do as a little girl? And how did that and when did that change to writing? OK, so as a little girl, to be honest, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I was an avid reader and I absolutely loved books. So I was reading anything and everything that I could get my hands on. And, you know, like even things that I had no business reading, to be honest, like things well above my age. So and looking back now, I remember that when I used to read, I used to actually feel jealous of how the author was able to describe things so well. And I could picture the scenes. And now with hindsight, I realized that that jealousy was really more like awe and fascination. And it was a sign that this was something I wanted to do. But back then, I didn't realize that. So everyone around me like pushed me towards science. My parents are immigrants. So they were always like, you need to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be an engineer. I mean, those were the three options. There's no other option for <laughs> in my family. Yeah. So yeah, you, I'm sure you understand that. So totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was a good little girl. I was a good little daughter and I studied molecular biology with genetics at university. Oh my and, goodness. Oh, it was as bad as it sounds. <laughs> and I mean, it was interesting, but I hated every minute of it and it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I was just trying to follow the advice of like older, wiser people around me. Yeah. yeah. So, but that is when I actually started writing. It was, I think, my, yeah, it was my second year of university is when I started writing my first novel. 
So I'd tried many times before then and I could never get beyond a few pages. But this time I just had like the inspiration and I'd leave uni each evening, go home and write. And it was like my way of de-stressing from the, the awful lectures. Gosh. <laughs> and it was something that just made me happy. So like it was an escape from real life. And I really do cringe whenever I think about that first novel because it's, <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> So I really do cringe, but it was the first step in my writing journey. And it was a crucial step because it was the first time I proved to myself that I could write and I could finish. That was the most important thing mm, that I could yeah. finish a book. Mm. And since then, writing has just been my thing, my purpose. So that's how it all started. Oh, you said so many amazing things in just that little spiel. You've mentioned <laughs> jealousy, you mentioned purpose, you mentioned, those are, those are my trigger words. Interestingly, the last episode um, that obviously I'm shooting this, you know, I'm re recording this way ahead of time. But one of the episodes of the, that I, the re episode I released last week, I actually mentioned how to find your dreams. I talked about mm -hmm. dreams. And one of the things I talked about was jealousy or envy mm. I, I was I, I mm. actually titled it follow the envy where oh, I was wow. like many yeah. times you you know you just need to look at those things that you know I was talking about myself I was like okay mm. that, that there was a time in my life that I was very jealous of this particular music artist and mm. it was later I realized that it wasn't necessarily the form of art really expression it was mm. actually the fact that I wanted to make impact with my life yeah. the way I thought that artist mm. was making impact in her life you know yeah. so uh, with her life sorry with what she was doing with her art I wanted to make impact so that was so that that was how I knew part of my dreams or part of my purpose was making impact in one way or the other so mm. you talking about purpose and then you've sort of linked it with what you were you know with, with your envy and you talked about you know reading a lot as a kid I, we have a lot in common actually. So <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm actually a trained lawyer myself and it was for mm. the same reasons I wow. went to uni because mm. and studied law because my parents, you know, thought, you know, obviously that is the that's the route I should take, because mm. like you said, it was engineering or medicine or, or, <laughs> or law. It's it's yeah. <laughs> and and but I'm glad that that kind of pushed you because obviously distressing meant um, you you got writing, you know. So yeah. and you said that important word, which is finish, which I guess a lot of aspiring authors that's probably one of the major challenges myself included mm. if I'm honest one of the major oh. you know challenges that uh, a lot of us face is the finishing so hopefully we'll, we'll glean a lot from you in today's episode <laughs> on how you managed to do that so you chose the romance genre um, as your genre of choice and um, yeah. I've noticed you know the hyphenated words the paranormal romance the romance thrillers but why romance of all the different genres to be honest I am just a cheesy romantic and I always have been I mean if you ask my husband he'd be like yeah she, she's just so cheesy <laughs> to be honest <laughs> like I like the sappy romantic movies or books and you know just that, that it's, I'm all about that but there's something about reading a romance and watching it unfold and blossom and rooting for the two people to make it despite their differences or yeah. any obstacles in their way so I think romance will always be a very big part of my writing. And I think probably the main reason why is because I see love as a catalyst for change, both mm. in real life and in fiction. So 
love forces you to become the person you need to become. There's many things I wouldn't do if not for my love for my daughters or yeah. for my husband. So, yeah. so many things it's pushed me to come out of my comfort zone for. So I think that is probably one of the reasons. And with writing fiction, I often have like one of the characters is really flawed and you can see that they have a lot of growing to do, but they're not willing to change or confront their issues. And that's real life. Yeah. But the thing that eventually forces them to change is falling in love with somebody who makes yeah. them want to change and become yeah. better. So I think that's what attracts me. It's the possibility for character growth. Oh gosh. You see, I knew, I knew you were my person. I, I, I 100% <laughs> knew because I'm a sappy romantic person myself. Oh, I good, love, good. yeah. Because, and it's for the same reason you've given love is what literally makes the world go around is what compels yeah. us. It's what pushes us. It's what restrains us, you know, from doing stuff that we probably would do. And mm. it's, you know, and every time I think about it, I'm like, it's not just the fact because I'm like, ah. Oh, cheesy romantic I was like it's not that if you look at the underlying reasons mm. we're like that is because there is this idealistic this hopeful individual mm. on the inside that just yeah. wants the world and people to be better and to be the best that we can be as individuals so mm. it's there's something more to it because like some people think you know I've come across people who think uh, romantics are very surface. I was like, that is so far no, from the truth. No, at all. <laughs> There's so much depth in the romance genre, so much. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So how would you describe your writing process from start to finish? So especially, I see that, I mean, the last series that you are, you I don't know if you finished the series, but I think it's about 13 books. Am okay, I right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have a thing. <laughs> A 13 book series yes mm -hmm. incredible how do you do it well to be honest when I first started that series I actually thought to myself seriously why are you doing this honestly like why are you biting off this huge chunk that you don't know whether you can actually you know complete it and I actually had someone say to me well you can always kill off the characters like they can have a plane crash <laughs> or something and then that can just be your way of getting out to writing all the books. And I just thought, well, that's always an option. <laughs> but no, I was never going to do that, to be honest. Of course. So I think how I do it is I'm definitely a planner. So my writing process starts with gathering ideas for whether it's for that book or for a series. So sometimes I'll have notes like all over the place on my phone, on my laptop. So the first thing is to just gather all of them into one file. And then I'll start adding more and more like plot ideas, more character ideas. And I've got like, because I've been doing this for so long now, I've got my own personal framework. Mm. So I have a plot template. So mm. I'll get all my ideas and then start plugging them into my template. So it uses like three act structure, the hero's journey, you know, just the typical storytelling devices. And then I start filling in the blanks between each of the ideas. Okay, so I've had this idea that they do this and then that they do that. So what comes in between? How do I link those? So I don't even write a word until I know every single, pretty much every scene in the book. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm such a planner. Some writers can't do that. They do it as they like write, but I need to know everything before I start. And then, I mean, that's really the fun part. Then the hard part is sitting down and writing. So 
But to be honest, I really enjoy that part. It's the editing that I really hate. But once I've done my plot and I've got, sometimes my plots are like 10 pages long and really detailed. Then I sit down and just steadily working on it until I've finished. And then after that, it's editing. So, and that can be very tedious, but Hmm. it needs to be done. (laughs) (laughs) So two questions off the back of that, and this came to my mind. Did you ever do any courses in creative writing? I started, so after I graduated from my first degree, mm. I decided, okay, I've done what I've been told I should do. Now I need to do what I want to do. So mm. I went, I enrolled on a creative writing course. Mm. But by then I was tired of being a broke student. I was just so tired <laughs> of being broke. <laughs> so I lasted one semester and then I just thought, you know what, I need to get a job and start mm. making money. I'm, I'm mm. tired of the student life. Mm. So mm. I did only one semester. So instead what I've done is, it's self-education so I've read so many craft books on writing craft how to develop it how to Mm. improve I've bought courses I've done all that kind of stuff and movies movies are the best way to learn because Mm -hmm. you can consume a whole story with all the three acts and everything in 90 minutes and it's a lesson in how to tell a story absolutely oh gosh it's it's so true I it's I, I to be honest, I believe that self-education is the way mm. forward. <laughs> self-education yeah. is the way forward in, in our present day. Not everyone has the luxury or the time to sit, you know, in a classroom and mm. learn that way any longer. People yeah. fit their learning around their life. So it's become lifestyle learning. So at your pace, you know, if you have children, if you have a job, a nine to five job, you either get some learning in in the morning or get some learning in in the evening or, you know, mm self-education is and I totally agree when you talk about movies they're such a class act of what a story looks like Um, I (laughs) I recently got into k-dramas I I don't know Uh, why (laughs) I'm yeah I've heard plenty about k-dramas but I haven't yet taken the plunge so I need to (laughs) (laughs) they they are and they are like a um one just one usually they're one um series long so you know sometimes i get tired when you know with those um tv series are like six seasons and Mm. seven seasons most of these ones are just one season so that's what i meant to say one season one season long so you and of 16 episodes that are about one hour long for each episode which is very different and they are quite the they remind me so much of at least the sort of romantic books I like to read I kind of stay away from the really um heavy physical side mm. of thing, you know type rom- uh, romantic novels personally I like the ones where the story builds and you get to see you get to know the the, the characters and like you said there's usually one sometimes both characters are flawed and then how the coming together makes them better individuals and yeah. it takes a while to get to that point and there's <laughs> little or no physical um action going on which I absolutely love personally I mean it's different <laughs> for different people but because yeah. I feel they, they because they build it so much that you don't even really miss that part you just mm. because they they focus more on the emotional aspect and mm-hmm. you know and the the intensity and the intimacy and it was with those dramas I realized and I'm probably just sh- washing my dirty linen in public now, but is it those <laughs> dramas that I realized that you could actually have quite you know you can be very intimate without necessarily being physical 
you know we're just holding hands it's, it's amazing it's amazing it's just the the reading the subtitles that gets on my nerves but apart from that okay. they're really really good but thank you for sharing that um and like you said you've honed your skill uh, your craft over time so obviously you've you just fit things in now um but what happens you talked about editing so do you edit yourself well, I edit myself before someone else edits because okay. then you get a better result. So if you just send your first draft, it's not going to be as good as um, a final product. <laughs> yeah. So I edit myself. So I do one edit. I send it to my beta readers and then they give me feedback Ooh. on anything they didn't like or anything they liked because then the, I feel like my beta readers are quite representative of all my readers. So if they like it, then I know, okay, they're all going to love this. But if they're like, oh no, why did you do this? I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to change things now. <laughs> so my beta readers have been so helpful. So they're an important part of my editing process. Mm. So when I get their notes back, then I go through the book again and implement things. And then I send it to a proofreader. Then the proofreader does their part. And then I read it again. Mm. And then my final edit is a listening edit. Because when you listen to your work, you hear the errors better than you can see. Because by that point, I'm blind to the mm. typos. I'm, I know what it should say. Mm. So my brain just makes it up. Mm. But then when I listen to it, like it's just a robotic, like auto-generated voice. And it's very tedious, but <laughs> it catches all the errors. <laughs> well, as many as I can. Yeah. Oh, that is really interesting. And how long does this Whole entire process take from when you start plotting till you have the very final the the final finished product ready to go out hmm. I, I think it's different for each book because for many books I've written them and just left them and then when I get around to editing them I'll edit them but if I was to do everything sequentially it'd probably take about a month oh. a month or two because I like to just do things fast. I don't like things lingering. So I like, I'm just like, <laughs> get it done, get it done. And then it's out there. So that's what be. Interesting. Yeah. And do you, what time do you give yourself between books? Do you give any time between books or do you just go, we finish one bang next immediately? I, after? I, I'm an immediate next, but it's not good. So I do have downtime in between because I'm always, I tend to, pause to plot something else even though I'm not going to write it straight away sometimes so I don't really give myself downtime but it's because and it doesn't feel that way because I enjoy it so if it was something that was a drag then I would feel it but I don't really need the downtime so amazing and how do you um say decide on the cover of your books because I found those very fascinating as well I was like, okay, so it's, it's, you've, you've come a long way because I, I remember your early covers. Yes. <laughs> I remember your early covers, but you've come yeah. a long way. So what changed? Um, obviously I know as time goes on, you get, people just get better and better, but what changed? Did you change? Did, who, how do you come, how do you think of, um, uh, how do you come about your covers? How do you think about them? Okay, so shout out to my husband. He designs all my covers. He designed those early ones as well. So he has improved a lot. The thing is, neither of us knew what we were doing. We just felt, oh, it's the book that's important. You just slap a cover on just for it to have a cover, but that's not really important. But that's the most important thing Absolutely. because that's what readers see. 
Absolutely. And if the cover doesn't draw them in, they're not going to buy the book. So it doesn't matter how well the book is written. Mm. The cover has to do its job. So we have improved. I mean, once I learned that your cover has to be genre specific, like if it's a romance, it better have a couple or something that screams romance because readers mm. are not going to be trying to decipher mm-hmm. what is this book about? They're just going to move to the next. Mm-hmm. So your cover has to tell them what is inside the package. So what I do now is I'll look at different covers in the same genre as the book I've written and I'll see what other people are doing and then I'll come up with what I want for mine. And then I usually find the models and then I just send them to my husband and tell him what I want and he designs it. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's that we've just we've very easily segued into promoting your book because the cover is a huge part of that isn't it it's part of the (laughs) part of the advertising and I know you use um Amazon as your main that's the main platform that your books are so do you did you do you get someone to help you you know with the promoting on um Amazon or do you do it yourself do you do all that bit yourself I do it myself so Um, Yeah, Amazon ads are a huge part of my promoting and marketing. But I'd say that the main thing is really my newsletter. So that's for new books. So if I have a new book out, the way I get people to buy it or get the word out is to just email my newsletter and then they all go and buy it. And then that's what makes other people see it. So if no one's buying it, even new readers are not going to see it. But when your own readers buy your book then it shoots up the rankings and then other people get to see it as well so that's the main thing I'd say for anyone who is starting out with writing start building that newsletter it's so important Mm. get people's email addresses email them every time you have a book out and Mm. that's how you steadily start building your own fan base and then Amazon ads that's for my backlist I use Amazon ads to push like the older books Gosh, you are an incredible woman. I mean, you don't you don't only do the the actual writing, so you create the product, you also promote the product yourself. That's 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 phenomenal. Well, it took me a while to realize I had to do that. Like I used to think, oh, you just write and put it up there. So I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way, like mm. just by trial and error. So promoting doesn't come naturally to me, but if I want to keep being an author, it's what I have to do. So mm. I've got to do it. I say that because a lot of people will probably either hire someone else to do that bit or, you know, so, but, and the reason is, is not necessarily because they, um, they don't have the time to do it, or it's just the fact that it's a different side of your brain you're using, isn't it? Yes. So yeah, yeah, there is some creativity involved in it, but it's mostly, you've talked about it, stats is, uh, is, you know, it's very, it's not very numbers driven, isn't it? So yeah. Um, yeah. Even building, I mean, I because I, I I say that because I segued into copywriting and um, in my own personal life, so copywriting mm-hmm. and email marketing and stuff like that. And I know from a creative standpoint, you have to adopt a different hat, sort of, to be able yeah. to do that aspect. So that's why I called you incredible because many people can't <laughs> do both. <laughs> okay. It's true. I'm, and how did you go about starting? Because there are people that are probably listening and they are at ground zero when it comes to because you talked about email marketing being a huge part of your so you talked about your newsletter so that's email marketing being a huge part of your promoting and marketing your books but if someone is listening and they are zero subscribers right now how do you did you go about building your email list 
Okay, so you have to provide value. Otherwise, why are people going to sign up for your mailing list? So you have to give people something. So what I did is I made a book free on Amazon. Mm. So it was nothing. It costs nothing to download and read. And inside that book, I put a link to another book for free and said, okay, join my newsletter and you'll get the, the next book in the series for free. And it helps if the book has a cliffhanger because mm. then they're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? So cliffhanger at the end of the book, book two for free, or you can buy it, but if you want it for free, then join my mailing list. And then that is what really made it take off. Because if you just put a link that says, join my mailing list, they're like, why, (laughs) why should I join? (laughs) So you have to provide some kind of value. So even if you're not a writer, whatever business you might be in, Mm-hmm. If I mean, value is always what is going to get you subscribers. Of course, of course, definitely. So let's talk social media. <laughs> um, I I've noticed that on social media, you are, if you don't mind me saying, you you have a a modest following, um, and you don't seem to use a lot of social media. I might be wrong, but because you find a lot of people posting all the time, and you know, look at me, my, and I know you do post when you have a new book out and stuff, but it's like you don't like social media doesn't seem to factor that much in. So, what role would you say it plays in your business? In your writing business it doesn't really play a role <laughs> to be honest i am atrocious at sh- um, social media so i mean i'm there but i'm not doing anything online so i mostly use social media for like cover reveals and new release announcements but it's not something like i used to think i need to do it and then when there was there's been times that i've tried and it didn't have any impacts on book sales so i thought you know what i prefer writing i don't even actually enjoy posting on social media so I'm just like okay I'll leave the accounts up but I'm not really doing anything there but to be honest it's something that I would like to improve at so someday who knows I would love (laughs) to get better (laughs) at social media but for now I, I find writing to just be so much more valuable the truth is who says you need to i mean there are some people that have built their businesses on social media but and some who haven't and you are one of those who haven't and i think that's absolutely fine obviously if you want to add that on later on that's absolutely Mm -hmm. fine but i i found that fascinating because i come across a lot of people who are literally they literally hyperventilate you see them panic because (laughs) they can't do because they they can't maybe they're like you um and if i don't if you don't mind me saying like me i do post on social media even with the podcast and stuff but i know it is it takes a lot out of me to do that and Mm -hmm. i've met a lot of people that are similar and but you see them panicking and you know they're like oh that i didn't post yesterday Oh, I haven't posted this week. And it's like, they go into this frenzy. And I'm like, do you have to? Now, I know there are people. So when I came across your work and I saw that, she's not really using social media. And I could see see that. And I was like, it'd be interesting for our listeners to find out how. So, because I'm I'm certain there will be people who are probably posting on social media because they feel they don't have a choice. But what you have done in today's interviews, you've shown people that they do have choices. If they choose to go different, in a, they can take a different route. And that's yeah. what you've, you've, you've shown to us. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think you're it giving depends. Us go on. I think it depends on your industry. Mm. A lot of writers do have very huge followings. But for me, I've just found that it hasn't affected 
my writing and it is something I want to do but I think you need to weigh the value of whatever you're doing and for me it hasn't really been that valuable when I've tried to do it so I definitely want to do it but for now it's not being done yeah that's then that's that's absolutely fine so I mean I read that you have been a full-time author since 2016 yeah that is the dream of majority of people uh, I'm talking aspiring authors so how did you make the transition because obviously it it took a while yes it did it was a dream (laughs) for a long time before it happened so I mean I I feel so blessed to be able to write full-time and to be in charge of what I spend my time doing especially after having kids I just Mm -hmm. thought wow I can't continue with being pulled in all these different directions Mm -hmm. so the first thing was to set that goal that I want to be a full-time author. And what does that mean though? How much money do I need to be earning? So I had a clear picture in my mind. And I remember I even wrote my, <clears throat> my resignation letter like a year before it happened. So I wrote it in faith that it's going to happen mm. and I'm going to be given this in. I don't know when, but it's going to happen at some point. So I wrote it, saved it on my laptop, and then I got to work on making it happen. Mm. So I, I mean, we talked about education before. That's what it took to get there. I listened to all the writing podcasts. I was reading the books. I paid for the courses. And then I made a plan and implemented all the advice. So none of what I did was my idea. I just stood on the shoulders of people who've done it before me. So one of the things they said was start a mailing list. So I did that. Then they said, write in a series and it needs to be a long series. So I thought, okay, I need a good idea that can take me to nine books. And I mean, the inspiration came. So, and it's not just writing a long series, because if it's boring, no one's going to continue. So it was a lot of education on how to write addictive novels, how to write things that people don't want to put down. And it took a lot of hard work, to be honest. There was a lot of early mornings, a lot of working on my lunch break, a lot of late evenings, late nights. and I had to do that alongside my day job before I could do it full time. So I'm so grateful that it all paid off. I was just about to ask you how you balanced, you know, full time job. Uh, it was a lot. young family <laughs> and <laughs> <Yeah>. then writing. <laughs> it was a lot, to be honest. I, I don't know. Like I look back at that and it was hectic, but it got me to where I wanted to get to. And I always, I always think that if you know you're doing something with a goal, mm with an end goal in sight, it takes away the the friction. Mm. So I knew that I'm doing this because I want this other thing. So that drove me. And I, 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 if I could add to that, it's just, it's the fact that you are in the mix of, you know, what you're meant to be doing. You are living out your purpose. And many times when it's your purpose and your passion and mm. those two things come together, <clears throat> it you know it's hard work I mean no one living out your purpose is not it's not that you're going to be it's not going to be that you're going to be in the beach you know and lounging (laughs) (laughs) it is work you're going to work but the difference is your work kind of feels like play not necessarily play but you know what I mean because it is your it does it does feel like play (laughs) oh gosh oh it does I'm beginning to think that is probably a part of you know, my purpose is to really big up people like you or 
make you known to the world in one way, in my little way, because I think that this is where everyone should be gravitating towards. What is your purpose? What are you here for? And living out that purpose day in, day out, because that is to me, the only path to fulfillment, a life of fulfillment. If you are not living, and I, I, I like to add your God-given purpose. If you are within your God-given purpose, you your life so when people talk about oh i'm depressed i'm not you know i'm not fulfilled i'm like uh do you know why you're here why are you here mm. <laughs> you know because if you are you know if you're living out why you're here then you will live a fulfilled life your life will be full and it will be joyful and it will be enjoyable you know and <laughs> thank you Thank you again, because you are making it true. Is what I've been shouting about and saying that this is it. This is how you're supposed to live, mm. <laughs> living a life of purpose. So thank you for demonstrating that with your life uh, for people to see, really. So what is life like, you know, as a full-time author now, and you still have a young family. So what, how does that play out on a day-to-day basis for you? Okay, so a typical day for me is... I'm up, I'm still up before the kids because I'm just in that habit now. (laughs) So, and I like to get started early. I prefer to start early rather than stay up late. Mm. So I'm up early. I get some writing done or some editing or whatever it is that needs doing. And then it's the school run, it's Mm. breakfast, then the school run. And then I usually leave the house. So I do stay home sometimes, but I'm more productive if I go to the library or go elsewhere. And now that I have like six hours with them in school, it's so much easier. I mean, back in the day when they were younger, before they started school, it was just like, when am I ever going to have time to do anything writing? <laughs> it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's so much easier now that they're in school. So I'd encourage anybody who does have a purpose or something they want to do to just understand that life comes in seasons sometimes there are seasons where you're too you've got too much on your plate Mm. but then another season will come when you have time and not to despair (laughs) when you're in the season where you don't have the time I did have some despairing days but Mm. now I look back and I think well that was just a season and now this is a new season and I have so much time so I'm so grateful to be honest to be a full-time author so and my daughters now they too are writing books all the time on their laptops oh my goodness so yeah and I also get some free child labor out of them when I'm like doing (laughs) promotions and things even my ads because too much typing has given me repetitive strain so Mm. sometimes I get them to do all the clicking and just tell them what to do Mm. so yeah they're they're quite useful in that way (laughs) that is just amazing I love that I absolutely love that so in your days where you were feeling all that despair you just mentioned they were young your kids were young and I mean any Mm. parent listening to this can probably relate to that you know you 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 don't feel like your life is your own no, <laughs> and it pretty much isn't, to be honest. It isn't, you know, no. The kids are, you know, your family takes uh, precedence in your life yeah. at that moment. How did you, did you ever feel like giving up during those times? And if you didn't, or you did, how did you overcome those times of frustration or where you couldn't get as much, you know, done like you would have liked to? How did you get over those times? So there's been many times where I've been very frustrated so a lot of it was just having a young family and I'd write anyway like 
when they're having a nap, I just write in snippets. There's been whole books that I've written one-handed because my younger daughter just always wanted to be carried. She just wouldn't sit on her own. So mm. I'll hold her with, in one arm and I'll be typing <laughs> the whole book. It was written with my right hand. So, I mean, you find a way to get through it. And I think I do remember a time where I did feel like it wasn't so much giving up. I didn't feel like giving up, like, because I had young children or anything, but it was actually after I went full time, like the first year, mm. it was quite difficult. I don't know why, to be honest. I think maybe I was just still quite overwhelmed with a lot of responsibilities. Mm. So I did like the honeymoon period completely wore off for a while with writing. <laughs> and I just felt like, you know what, I've, I've really like, I need to figure this out. Mm. So I realized that I was quite sleep deprived. So often when you feel like giving up, there's something going on. Because if something has been your passion for so long, then all of a sudden you're really like feel just, you know, out of touch with it. Usually yeah. there's something going on and you need yeah. to look after yourself. Yeah. So I got better at looking after myself. I got better at feeding my motivation. I will do anything to feed my passion now just to keep me motivated because mm -hmm. the last thing I ever want is for my dream career and this wonderful blessing to become a drag you know mm. so I do anything I can to keep myself motivated passionate because mm. so important mm. so what 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 are the, uh, uh, a few things you did to motivate yourself so were there books you read whether it was the music you were listening to was it what did you was it prayer was it what was it yeah I mean so many things so one of the things is rewards because I realized I'm just jumping from project to project I'm not taking a break in between I'm not mm. even taking a moment to look back at what I've done and feel like proud of myself in any mm. way it's just next thing what's next what's next mm. so and that is my personality but I've realized no I have to like slow down and smell the roses sometimes. And mm. there was a year where I told myself every time I meet this milestone, so I had milestones for myself and each milestone I would celebrate with mm. some little reward. It didn't have to be something big. It could be mm. like, I don't know, some takeout food that I liked or some little item I've been wanting to buy, mm. things like that. So that was really helpful. Prayer is always helpful. I mean, <laughs> committing <laughs> things to a higher power <laughs> is always helpful um also like yes podcasts mm. listening to other writers I, I love writing podcasts because when you hear other writers gushing about like story and everything it just reminds you of yeah I, I feel that passion is about mine as well and I think a major thing is working on something that compels me mm. I just like I went through a phase of trying to write like other authors and thinking oh well this is what the big Christian authors do Mm. trying to imitate them and then I'd just throw something crazy in my book by midpoint and I'm like oh no I need to just keep to the <laughs> script and try and mm. do something that is mm -hmm. typical of the genre you know so I realized that I need to stop censoring myself and just let go and be me mm. so writing things that compel me instead of trying to write what I think is acceptable or what fits that has helped so yeah, those were a few things. And sleep, sleep has helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right about sleep. Um, yeah. It's many times when we don't realize how much being sleep deprived, you know, what's kind of mm. havoc it causes in our lives. Uh, <laughs> I know Especially from as a experience. creative. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know from personal experience, it's, 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 it's terrible. I'm, I've just more recently started enjoying the, um, the benefits of waking up early and trying to go to bed early. Previously, I used to say, oh, I'm this night owl. I'll stay awake until two. There were times at the height of my music career when I was really trying to create and stuff. I'll be, especially the promotion side of things and marketing, mm -hmm. I'll be up to like 5 a.m. and I still have to wow. do um, school run at seven. Well, get the kids up around six, seven and then go off yeah. to school run and then be going on three, four hours sleep at most. And I was just... It, <laughs> no surprises I burnt out <laughs> wow. I burnt out big time you know so I I do get I think there's a lot that we could take from what you've just said so I, mm. and yeah that's 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 just an, an amazing um so what would you say is your favorite writing podcast okay so my favorite just in general is the creative pen podcast I've been listening to that for years now yeah. I absolutely adore Joanna Penn and I've learned yeah. so much from her yeah. I also like the Story Grid podcast. That is for more the writing craft. So, like how to write. What did you when call it? I, the Story Grid podcast. Story Grid. It's just so I can put it in the show notes for our listeners. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a fantastic podcast. Yeah. I mean, after I started using, like before then, I never wrote in the three act structure. I never structured my books properly. And the difference when I started implementing those things was huge. Like mm. the, the um, feedback from readers, mm. it, it really improved my writing. Mm. So I would recommend that highly. Amazing. Okay. So um, you talked about being this planner. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think we can see how much, how, how well you plan. I'm not, I, I, I I'm the direct opposite. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very much of a plan. I've had to learn. Obviously, I think any parents at some, you know, at some point in your life, you have to, if, you, if you're going to get anything done mm. and with the logistics and stuff, you're going to have to get, learn some planning. But generally speaking, I wouldn't call myself a planner. I mean, you hear of, you know, Maya Angelou having certain practices. So I'm just wondering as a planner or just as a writer as you are, do you have any specific practices you adhere to? So you have the Maya Angelou locks herself in a local hotel, Ernest Hemingway, you know, does longhand on a standing desk. And do you have any that's specific to you? Okay. Um, so for me, it's just, I just need a space. I just need a block of time, but I do like concentration music. So I'd say that's my thing. Like some authors, yeah, they have their little quirks. For me, it's probably concentration music. So I used to listen to white noise, which people found really weird. <laughs> like my friends and I've been be like, what are you listening to just that sound for? And I'm like, that it helps me to just get in the zone. But now, because like with an empty house or if I'm in the library, I like to just have something like going on, but I can't listen to music and I love music so much because it distracts me. Oh. But concentration music, oh, it's it's so bad. Thank you. It, it will, Thank You're you. The same. Yes, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how people. I I, I will I tell this little story. I was doing this exam. It was a test years ago. It was a um some writing test that was going to be four hours long. And for some reason, wow. the exam um invigilator thought that the best way to get us calm for the test was to play music. No. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I it was one of the worst exam 
environments I'd ever been in in my entire life. I struggled wow. so much because I and I, I know I didn't do my best work because I couldn't concentrate. So you're literally <laughs> the first person I've met that has said that they can't that music distracts them when they're trying to get the yeah. writing done. So it, it really does. I mean, my husband can listen to music when he's doing his work and I don't know how. I feel like you've got to split your brain into <laughs> half. So one is listening to music and one is writing. But yeah, so I found like a guitar, like it's like peaceful guitar music mm. and that plays in the background and I'm not listening to it. Mm. It's just mm. there mm. and it doesn't distract me and it plays for like three hour loop, a three hour loop. So that's my thing. It's just the concentration music or the white noise. <laughs> ah, no, I get that. I did. I did try some white noise. I knew, I realized that any type of music, it doesn't matter whether it's guitar, it doesn't matter what it is. I can't mm. listen to music. So I found um, airplane noise. I found oh, that airplane okay. that noise. That would work. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. <laughs> it did wonders for me. So there are times when I, because I, I usually write in my bedroom, but when I mean mm. write, I do my work so I, because I do copywriting and editing, actually. So mm. I do that okay. in my, sorry. Oh, I, no, I was just saying, okay. I didn't realize you were a copywriter. Yeah. So I, I do that in my bedroom. Um, but I, there are times when I don't want to be sitting or um, lying all the time. So I lie uh, sitting mm. on my bed all the time. So I try to go into the kitchen and I stand so I can stand and work. And at such times, because there's a, that's where the family is. So there's a lot of noise. I have to put in mm. uh, white noise and the it, airplane, airplane noise was the only thing that worked for me that I found that worked for me. <laughs> my husband likes to listen to, um, so rain, you know, torrential oh, rain. Wow. I've heard of people listening to thunderstorms. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we're all different, isn't it? You no, need to find different. what works for you. Absolutely. I actually had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago and she said, I, I interviewed her, I haven't released the episode yet, but she said she loves thunderstorms. She likes to walk in thunderstorms. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's another level. <laughs> Absolutely. I think people yeah. are just different. And it's one of the things mm. I love about humanity, just how very different and unique we all are. Mm. So what's next for Dio Benson? Where are you going from here? Uh, so I still feel like a beginner. I don't feel like I've at all arrived in any way. So what's next is to just keep improving, keep growing as a writer, keep doing my best, keep trying to make every book better than the last. That's it. Do you, do you, do you ever experience writer's block? Do you ever go, go through anything like that? I haven't for a long time. As a new writer, I did, but now I plan my books in such vivid detail. So when you know every scene already so it's hard to get blocked so I think that is the reason why like but I mean when I used to get blocked as a um, newer writer I found that it helped to consume other types of art so like mm. music movies mm. so I realized it's just you need to fill your creative well before you try to draw from it so that's usually that was usually the cause of my block but I've been fine for years Oh gosh, that's that's gold. We, I, I'm I'm hoping our listeners didn't just go past that bit because what you just shared. Because a lot of people talk about having writer's block or any type of block. I mean, whether it is you know songwriting, you know whatever type of writing. And I I tell them the same thing you just said, which is the fact that you know you there's there's a disconnect. You need to find you need to fill yeah. in your creative yeah. well again. So that's that's gold right there. I, I'm curious about something because uh, that I thought I would ask. Um, have you ever considered uh, teaching a writer's class 
you know, you're the second person to ask me in like the space of a week. I have considered it, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I haven't done it. So it seems if it's something that people really want, I would be happy to, but it's just that that would take me away from writing. So it's, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, I just tend to point people to the books that have helped me. So that's mm. what I do at the moment. The, re- the reason that came to my mind was when you were talking about um, now having a system that worked for you. So I was like, mm. hmm, I wonder if she would be willing to teach that. I mean, it's something to oh, think yeah. about for the future. I, I would, yeah, for the future, probably when I've hit some goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's amazing. So where can people find you, Diane? I'm everywhere. So if you spell my name remotely correctly, you'll find me. So I'm Daya Benson on Amazon, on social media on my website everywhere cool it's been so lovely having you on the show um honestly having you on the podcast Daya has been like I said for me it is a dream come true because it's it's not every time you find someone who is living their purpose and enjoying the process and is willing to share you know how they have gone from a to wherever they are right now and Mm -hmm. with such sincerity and honesty and you know not holding anything back and I really appreciate that I wish you the very best I know that it's you know it's just starting for you and I can't wait to see what your hundredth book is going to be like and what your hundred and fiftieth book is going to be like. And hopefully those rewards are going to blossom into maybe having some sort of party or a get together of some sort, which I can come to because I know you live in Liverpool, oh, don't you? Yes, yeah, I'm in Liverpool. So I, I'm I'm down here in Hertfordshire. So who knows? Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, so thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and thank you for the awesome questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you, my friend, are a total rock legend for listening to this episode to the end. I hope you found value in it. And if you did, would you do me a quick favor? Would you rate and review this podcast on the platform you're listening? And if the platform you're listening doesn't have the facility to rate and review, then please share the episode with your friends and your loved ones. It would go such a long way in helping spread the word of this podcast. And until next time, remember you're a unique remarkably created person with a God-given purpose and unlimited potential. The question is, what are you going to do about it? That nothing will become of me That I'll never come to anything But I rise Rise Yes, you might have given up on me Cause you couldn't see what See